Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Mark. I've been watching a lot of college hoops over the break. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. Um, it's a new year, so it's our first episode, 2022, but we are going to be back with weekly episodes moving forward all the way through. A, there's no draft content anymore, so we're very excited to be back. Uh, we have a special guest with us today. To talk about an incredible prospect, one that I just wrote about. So, Chip, welcome. Hello. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate having having the opportunity to talk to you guys, and I'm I'm really excited to talk about Chet. He's one of my favorite prospects. I'm interested to see what you guys think about him. Yeah. So we're joined by Chip Jones. Uh, very very excited to talk. We've uh, this is the first time we talk in person, but we talk and chat all the time. Um, you had a really good video. Um, that you put out on Chet probably about a month ago that put Jake and I like way like I mean we we've been talking about wanting to have you on for a while so um, we're really glad that we could do this because we like doing bigger deep dives on prospects and especially with um, the way that the season has kind of started to wind wind down is what I'm going to put it but just I mean with the way the health and safety protocols has hit everyone um, taking some time to take stock of where we're at with guys about halfway through the season. Um, and it's time to start with Chet. So I guess Jake, I'll turn it over to you because you did the outline. So get us started. Where do you where do you want to start here with with Chet Holmgren? I mean, I I feel like I stole your juice a little bit on the intro by introducing our guest. So I mean, you could take it away if you want, but I can go with. So I, the way we're going to go about this is we'll talk about the offense first, um, and then the defense. I feel like it's kind of easier to break it down on two separate sides of the ball. Um, I just wanted to kind of like guide the conversation with facets of his game that I think are like the most important and crucial to the projection, whether with his role at the NBA level. Um, I wanted to start with the shooting and get your guys' thoughts on that because I think um, Chet has always been billed as the shooting big. Those were the clips you'd always seen coming out of AAU in high school. 
the pull-ups, um, just the catch-and-shoot stuff at his size, it's obviously noteworthy. Um, he caught some flack early in the year for being a little bit gun-shy or not looking as comfortable from the outside. I think that's started to pick up a little bit. Um, he's taking more catch-and-shoot threes. He's more aggressive. He's taking them off the balance and transition. Um, I'm personally not worried about the shot. I think the mechanics are clean, and I think he has really, really good touch, as we'll get to later. So I personally buy the shot. I do understand where people were coming from early in the year with him with wanting to get him up more, but I had been impressed by that in my recent viewing. So I just wanted to gauge where you guys were at on that one. Yeah, um, I don't really – I wouldn't say that I have any concerns about his shot. Like, I think viewing him as a shooting big is the wrong way to look at it. Um, I think it just in some ways overall, I don't really view Chad as a big, if we're being honest, on either end. I'm starting to just get to the point where he's 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 a four to me. Um, I think some people disagree with that. Um, but just in terms of utility, we'll talk about it more. But I just don't – I think part of the problem with talking about Chad is saying that he has to be a big or saying that he is a big – um it's just basketball we'll talk we'll talk more about it for sure but in terms of just a shot Here overall like he's really good as a trail shooter like i think that's one of my favorite parts about him uh that's where he's most comfortable when he can step into something moving forward all of the shots pretty much come to his left if he has to take the side dribble it's to his left um it's where he's most comfortable he does some stuff off exit screens um he works in some stuff off flares not awesome at it yet um but i kind of like his hip fluidity uh, when he's coming off of screens or after setting a screen, even though he's not used a ton as uh, as like a pick and pop guy, like half the shots have come out of pick and pops, but um, it's just not really his utility in the offense right now. So it's hard to fully track where he's at, but I feel like, especially in talking about, you know, where other guys who are, you know, maybe being projected in similar ways, like looking at like, okay, let's obviously I'm not comparing him to miles Turner, but miles Turner was like relatively not a shooter at texas like he took stuff from mid-range but he wasn't shooting threes that much i think chet's shown more in his time at gonzaga in terms of being able to do things off movement um doing things off just more as a as a self-created shooter too which i don't really care about as much if we're being completely honest because i'm i don't think the idea of chet needs to be him taking threes off the bounce but just in general like i think he's shown enough to say i'm confident in him becoming a pretty good shooter in the nba and and not just the catch and shoot guy yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think I you you brought up a great point. You brought up how he seems really comfortable taking the trailing threes, especially in uh, transition. And I think as someone who's a big Chet advocate, maybe my biggest kind of red flag that I haven't really seen people mention that much on Chet is how his shooting splits break down. So he's shooting like a little over 30% at this point from three. Um, he is nine for 12 in transition and five for 27 in the half court which is slightly concerning to me just because I think when you think about Chet, for me at least, like transition is not a worry at all. I think he's going to be like immediately a very good transition player at the NBA level. Like a lot of, I think a lot of college guys are generally comfortable in transition early and maybe, you know, processing half court stuff comes a bit slower. And I think the concern with Chet would be like, if his shot isn't falling in the half court, you could have issues where it's like, he's a little bit thin. So maybe you don't want him screening that much. Cause I'm not sure his screens are going to be able to create a ton of separation. And then if the shot's not falling, that could be a little concerning. I overall don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. It's not something I'm super worried about, but it would be interesting to see if we finish this entire season and you know, however this ends up working out with all the health and safety protocol stuff, let's say, you know, he plays like 30 games or something and we're at the end of it and he's still shooting like 20% in the half court from three, then it's something I would probably want to like dive into and really look at the clips and the situations and look at the, uh, you know, the team USA and the high school AAU stuff to see if that's an issue that's kind of presided the whole way and maybe just didn't get picked up. Um, I know that's super interesting. And I didn't even really see that. Um, what reasoning would you attribute to that? Because like I've had people, talk to me on Twitter about like Chet's three point, the difference between like high major and low major opponents. I don't personally think that's an issue. Um, I watched his game against that Texas tech and they were all very good to wide, not like wide open, but like, they were open looks. You just missed them. Um, mm-hmm. And I think people were, um, no, I don't want to like substitute the person I was in a conversation with. Like it was a good thorough exchange, but I personally wasn't buying that. Like there was a correlation between him shooting poorly from deep against high major opponents versus the low major opponents. Like I think he's, it's, he's seven feet tall. It's the same shot relatively. Um, I don't know how you can like quantify and say it's a more difficult shot against 
insert random mid-major opponent versus random high-major opponent. I just didn't really see the correlation. But that stuff is interesting. Um, what reasoning would you attribute that to? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that jumps off to the page or jumps off the page with chat for me is um, the like attacking closeouts. I think like if you're high on chat or like optimistic, that's something I think you'd feel pretty confident in him doing at the next level. And I think that's something that's pretty projectable. And I think it's something he's going to be good at. But I think right now, the I think the Gonzaga offensive environment's kind of throwing him off because it's there. It's very weird this year. It's a lot of like they're taking like more attempts in the post and like less off cuts, and they they just completely like have almost cut pick and roll out of their offense. Where you know last year obviously they had Suggs and stuff, but you know there's way less reps of that. So I think it's a it's a different offensive environment than he's used to maybe. And I think the when he's faced with closeouts he kind of overthinks things and then he ends up losing the space that he had and he kind of squanders the advantage. I don't really think that's something that's going to stick with him long-term. And I think that's something that, you know, with more reps, he'll come become more comfortable with. And I think even throughout the season, he's become more comfortable with it as we went in, went on. But I think my biggest thought on it would be that his, uh, when he's attacking closeouts, he just overthinks things and it, it gets a little complicated for him. And I think he's maybe taking more contested shots than he needs to because he's kind of slow to make the decision to shoot. Yeah. Um, I think for me with his shooting, just in general, especially mentioning the half court, like he takes a very difficult diet of shots. Um, like he's asked to come off Spain actions and take shots off movement, which that one actually looks kind of okay for him once he's able to square up his feet. But like, again, it's more like when he's asked to do something off of a flare going to his side, his footwork isn't very great yet. Um, and I think that's where you're seeing some stuff for him that's different. Like, I haven't watched his stuff at Minihana, just being honest. Um, I don't know what his his routes were like as a shooter there, but I imagine it's different than than what it was like um, for him and Gonzaga, Gonzaga now, playing as more secondary player. Because um, like Chip mentioned, like, everything functions through flowing through, in and out of the elbows and in the post in general. So just the shots end up drawing harder contests sometimes because of how they're manipulating the taggers and, um, just in general, like I do think he takes pretty tough shots. Um, and a lot of it too, he just doesn't have a quick release yet. Like it's not the slowest shot ever, but, um, part of it is like, I, I want to see him take more threes for sure. I do think, like you mentioned, Jake, I think it's been a little bit better recently. Um, but also a, like part of it's just, everything is about working to, to get inside and, and, and flow from the inside. So, um, yeah, but it definitely is something like you it does bother you a little bit. It's like, okay, we'll take like five or six a game instead of two and a half. Like, I think he's capable of doing more. It's just seeing it. But um, I like one, not to, not to like completely mitigate things, but I do think one thing that is tough to look at is just having a different role like this could take an entire season or more to, to develop into because like, I mean, Chad has always been um, a higher usage player than what he's at right now, even when he was playing with Jalen Suggs. So um, I don't know. It's just there, there's a lot of moving parts that, that definitely um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how to assess yet, but I'm not overly worried or anything. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would like to get your guys thoughts on how he's being used. I've been a little bit underwhelmed with Gonzaga's creativity and just don't necessarily feel like they prioritize him on that end. And I understand like you, they're one of the best teams in the country. They want to win national championship. And I guess they might feel that the best way to do that is playing through Nembhard and Timmy, um, two very good college players. I personally just think that Chet's offensive skill set kind of just gets pushed aside and he's forced into the corner and it turns into these catch and shoot threes. And he's basically the only way he's making impact in the half court is attacking closeouts and getting dump offs and fishing through contact. Uh, look, I don't think it's a necessarily overall horrible thing. Like I think there are bits and pieces to take away, most notably the closeout attacking, because as Mark noted, like I do think he's going to be a, a four more times than he's going to be a five in the NBA. So I want him to be able to space it and play four out and attack closeouts from there. But I do think the NBA is going to be a lot more creative with using him as a screener um, and just using his size, handling the handling functionality that he does have, um, coinciding with the shooting stuff, I just think there are a lot more creative ways to leverage that than he currently is being used at Gonzaga. Yeah, I don't really like how he's used, if we're being completely honest. Like, I think <laughs> yeah. it, it, just in terms of, like, evaluating a prospect, but, like, for Gonzaga, it makes sense. Um, but, like, I think I looked it up today. He's only been used as a pick-and-roll man, like, 14 times this year. It's kind of yes. insane. Um, I thought it was – I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be high, but I didn't think it was going to be that low either. 
Um, so we just really don't see it happen very often. And I think that's part of what's frustrating because you, I mean, ideally that's going to be a big part of his game moving forward. Um, like you being able to use his role of gravity. Cause like, we just don't get to see him do anything as a short role uh, creator. Um, and I think that's going to be huge for him at, at the next level. Um, so yeah, again, it's just like something he has to take a grain of salt with, but one of the things that I do like about him, like, um, he's not somebody who I would consider elite at, uh, at finding pockets in the defense, but I do think he has been pretty good at floating baseline. You know, he's, he's not just a, uh, like there are a lot of guys you put them in the corner and they'll just stay there, but he's somebody who's very willing to try and find creases and find ways to attack. I do think like, obviously he's got to get better at, um, being able to jostle for position and whatnot. But I think like, there's enough there where I'm like, I'm very in on that. And I think that's another thing. Like if, I think you see it more when Tim, when he's playing as, a, as as the lone big, which doesn't happen often. Because even when even when Anton Watson's out there, they put his ass in the post. Um, but like, I mean, when you're seeing just uh, just Holmgren as as the lone big, I think you see more opportunities with him coming up. Okay, he'll float into the elbow or, or just float into the paint in general and try and open himself up. Um, so that's stuff that I really like, and I think is going to bode well at the next stage. But yeah, the offense. Um, could definitely be uh, better catered to him as a prospect, but it, it is not alas. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, I kind of agree with the sentiment sentiments you guys said. It's pretty abhorrent. I think it's like a war crime the way that they're using Chet. It's terrible, honestly. <laughs> um, like in looking looking at his profile and like what he's doing, it just it just leaves it so interesting, right? Because in those spot ups, he's has an effective field goal percentage of like 36, but then like on cuts, it's like 83% on post ups. It's like 58. And, you know, uh, as a PNR role, man, he's on the four possessions. He's been able to take a shot off of that from a two. So usually like slipping the screen, he scored on three of the four, which is not an ideal amount of reps to have for a guy who is going to be a top three ish, top five ish pick, depending on how, how anti-chet people are. Um, the one thing that I think is is really interesting, and I'm glad that you brought it up, Mark, was the short roll stuff, like not getting to see not getting to see him do much as a short roll player. I brought that up in my video and in general when I was talking about people or talking to people about Chet as like some way I would like to see him used. And there's actually a lot of uh, a lot of pushback on that, and I didn't really understand why people were so against the idea of Chet operating in the short roll. So I, was, I know you said that you kind of liked it, Mark. I don't know. I don't know where you are on that, Jake, because those. I was really interested. I didn't really understand why people didn't like him as a short role decision maker. I mean, so I, I can go real quick yeah. just because I was going to, I think this is actually a really good segue into like the next thing I wanted to him, which was the passing and like the handling inside the arc and finishing just overall scoring and creation. But I would just like to see him use as a role man, period. I don't even like need to see him on the short roll. Like this dude is seven feet tall. We, he's a lob threat. Um, like we're, he, yeah, he's not the craziest athlete ever, but he's absolutely a lob threat. So I wouldn't even need to pigeon him into like pigeonhole him into the short roll. Um, he can absolutely, if, yeah, if the opportunity presents itself, I absolutely trust him to take one to two dribbles, make decision. I, I really do think he has like a push shot in his bag, uh, based on the touch that he's shown throughout this year. And I trust him to make decisions. So yeah, I, I think the short roll is like an easy thing where if he's playing with a shooter and they trap him and whatever, if that opportunity presents itself, sure, go ahead. But I would just like to see him used as a role man, period. Um, I think he has a lot of gravity. You can, of course, pop him as a shooter. Uh, they're just like, I trust him at all three levels as a role man um, in the short roll at the rim and beyond the arc. So I just definitely think he should be used there more. Mark, uh, you can go ahead. Yeah. Um, what I think is most interesting about him too. And like you mentioned, um, I think there are going to be concerns brought up about him as a screener. Cause he's not a, he's not a terrible screener. Like he's not the, he's, he's a better screener than Evan Mobley at this stage. Um, which that's not saying a lot, but, um, <laughs> just in general, like, I think it's important to look at him. Um, he's not going to be like a traditional pick and roll role man all the time, because I do think like, especially it's going to be important who is handling for him, but, um, like he's somebody who, if he's going to set a solid screen, he's not going on the roll. So it's either you're getting a solid screen and he's popping, or you're getting a solid screen and hope, hopefully getting a roll to the rim. Um, I mean, getting getting a lane to the rim on your own. Um, but he's not in the stage where he's capable of being a screener and then rolling. Like there, a that's very hard to do. There just aren't a lot of guys in the NBA who can do it routinely. Like Rudy Gobert, Nikola Vucevic, Tomas Sabonis. There's not a lot of guys who are capable of routinely doing that. So I think that's one of the things that is important for me in looking at with him, like to be completely fair, like I know physicality is definitely something that's going to be a concern and a warrant and we'll talk about it, but um, 
I also think too, just in honesty, most screeners in the NBA are not good screeners. And it, the action is just used for the action. Like, especially in, in, in the regular season, um, like most screens are really not creating that much separation. Like there will be like, especially in a more dynamic or uh, DHO oriented offense, like looking at like Bam and what he does when he's healthy in, in Miami or same thing with like Domas in, in Indiana or Rudy Gobert for, for the jazz. Like, yeah, that separation screening is really important, but also if you're just looking at, at more, more, uh, more actions that are not going to necessarily just be involving a big, like if you're just trying to create some sort of uh, some sort of motion going on with your screens, instead of actually trying to get separation, like I think there's a lot more going on there that is important to look at too. Um, like you can get a lot out of a screening action without even getting separation necessarily. So I think that's an important thing to look at. Um, like even just thinking like, okay, well, if you're doing like a, a four or five pick and roll or something, like let's say that Chet is screening for Nikola Jokic. Like I would, I, that, that would make me so happy if that actually happened. It won't, but like, just imagine that. Okay. Well, you're using Chet's gravity as a shooter, even if he, even if he's not a great shooter, but just his gravity that he gets because he will take shots and he can attack off the close. Is that going to be enough to pull somebody? I think so. Like there's a lot to look at with that, but I know that's like a whole other tangent, but um, I just think there's a lot of utility from him, both as becoming somebody who can shoot off the pop and doing it off of, you know, like both side to side and north, north, south screening actions too. Um, there's, I, I don't know if that, that, that probably went like way too far in the weeds for a second, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm looking at with it. No, I, I really like that. I think, I think it, it helped. I have two, two statements on this one on uh, Chet's screen setting, which I think is a super interesting topic. Cause I think when you look at a, a big who can pass at the level of Chet and like who can make decisions like that, you instantly kind of get drawn to like motion offenses and those involve a lot of screening. Um, so the two things I would say is one with the, the Chet screening getting better is I definitely noticed, I don't know what they did, but I feel like at some point they got him on like a zoom conference with Kelly Olenek. And like his legs are so much wider on the screens. Like so many of them are highly illegal, but like it doesn't get called. So, I mean, it doesn't really get called much at the NBA level. It doesn't really get called much at the college level. So, I mean, hey, so his screens have been creating a lot more separation recently. Like recently is hard to say with Gonzaga because they had so many games off because of the health and safety stuff. But like in the the early games, his screening was like legitimately, like it did nothing. And now it's starting to actually, you know, create a little bit of separation. And I think one thing that you brought up, that's a really good point is like, it's kind of just running the action to run an action and not necessarily like the screen needs to create separation. And I think the way I, I look at that idea too, and I think pretty similarly, a lot of the times screening actions aren't necessarily to, you know, um, create separation, but they're to force defensive players to make a decision. And if the defensive player's decision doesn't match up perfectly, you have a breakdown. And I think that's where kind of Chet's processing speed and his ability to, you know, he can attack with the dribble if he needs, he can shoot and he can pass is like, if he, if he sees a situation and he's like, oh, they messed up with this after he set the screen, I'm really confident that if you get him the ball, he's going to be able to punish that mistake with whatever it is. And I think that's like just really awesome to have offensively. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do want to harp on the passing. Um, what do you guys think about the passing? There have been some really good flashes in the half court and transition to me. There have also been some misreads and missed windows. Um, kind of seen the whole thing. I just spoke about this with uh, Adam Spinell on his podcast. We kind of like ranked the passers at the top three. I personally think Chet is sandwiched in the middle between Jabari and Paulo. I think Paulo is a well, more sandwiched very high at the top. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a really tight sandwich you got there, Jake. I wonder who you had at the bottom. I wonder if it's the same. I can't yeah. possibly think of one of those three not being on the same level. We're going to avoid uh, the Auburn pull-up shooting big man slander today. But... Um, I think Chet is a good passer for his position. I don't think he carries the advantage of like having the functionality and gravity that Paulo has. Like a lot of Paulo's reads are based on him getting doubled in the post or blitzed hard after a roll. Or when he goes to rise up for a mid range, he has the ability to audible and hit a cutter. Um, I'm not sure Chet has all those things, but I do like when he's in transition, he can hit a window. Um, if he is attacking and close out, we have seen flashes of him hitting jump offs and things of that nature. But I'm curious where you guys really um, are at with the passing. 
Yeah, I think I mean I think he's a good, not great passer. Like I think especially for like coming into the NBA, I think he'll it's gonna be uh kind of like, you know, I feel like with anything, like it's just going to take time and he's going to have to get used to it. But I do think in some ways, like a more read and react motion-based offense can be better for him. Like just in terms of actually making decisions, because it does feel like Chip was mentioning with some of his overthinking things. It feels like part of it is just trying to go through the hierarchy of Gonzaga's offense. Um, but in terms of like actually um, things that I don't like about it, the only thing that I can say I like vehemently do not like about his passing is his velocity. I think he could make harder passes sometimes, like especially in transition. Like it can be, it's not like he's not, he's not getting like picked off all the time or anything, but there are times where I like look at that. I'm like, okay, well, Marcus Smart's going to see that on tape and be like, oh, I'm just going to steal that pitch and, and lay it in because Marcus Smart can't dunk. But um, yeah, like the, I think that's like just one of the small things, but that's something that he'll figure out for sure. Like, I mean, you, throw two or three of those and you're like, Oh, I shouldn't do that anymore. But yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely get what you're saying. I think the interesting thing is he's, I think he's shown enough. It's, it's hard. I think if you didn't watch every single Chet game, you would not, um, not, not necessarily see the velocity stuff. And especially if you're watching the, uh, the high major games, cause the low major or the not high majors, like the mid major and maybe not the, you know, the premier matchups, not the Dukes and the Texas games. Um, but if you watch some of the games against some of the smaller schools where they're getting out in transition more, so he's getting more on ball reps because most of his on ball reps just come from transition or grabbing the rebound and bringing the ball up. Right. Um, he, he has a couple of passes where he's able to get solid velocity on it with one hand. And I totally agree with you that he needs to be doing it more, but I do think he's shown the ability to do so. So like you said, you know, you do it a couple of times and you get punished for it and then you learn. I think he has the capability to do so. So like, I agree, it's going to be something that he might have to get over like the first month or two in the NBA. But I do think like long-term, it's something that he's going to be okay with. I would say the interesting thing with the, the Chet versus Paolo passing dynamic, not to bring back up that whole part, because this is supposed to just be about Chet, but it's interesting because it comes down to like how you value passing, because are you, are you rating them on purely their ability to like execute different passes or the functionality of their passes based off? Cause like you mentioned like Paolo's gravity and stuff. Cause I think like, it's an interesting debate where it's like, you know, Facundo Composo is probably one of the best passers in the NBA, but I mean, he definitely doesn't, he's not one of the best playmakers. I think, you know, an even more, a more interesting one is like Lonzo where Lonzo is a phenomenal Lonzo, yeah. player, but he doesn't necessarily have that like gravity. So, I mean, it comes down to how you're talking about that with passing, but I think to be honest, from what I've seen with team USA and in neurotically watching every single Chet game. So I have like every rep memorized in my head. Um, I think, I think his passing is, is very, very good. And he had one where he was out of the short role against Texas tech that, um, draft pal and I were talking about together and it was it was a really nice pass where he had I think like two people blitzing him and he was able to just reach up and pass over them and I think we've seen with Evan Mobley this year where it's like you don't even need to necessarily be the most advanced passer if you're just like seven feet tall and you're like a good decision maker there's just so many windows available to you and I think even against Mobley like I think Chad has a slightly larger wingspan um maybe not maybe I'm off on that but I think it's like a, an inch or two so I think Chet's going to have a lot of windows open to him just by being tall. And I think even when you come back to the, like, who's the best pure passer thing, maybe he's not as, he doesn't have as much gravity as Paolo, but he's bigger. And that gives him windows that Paolo can't have because he's taller than him. And I think the functionality of Chet's passing is super high. And it's part of why I think, uh, like you mentioned, like I would like to see him in an offense where he's with another tall player. So he, they can just kind of pass the ball over everyone's head together. Like they do in Cleveland this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's literally the perfect segue because, I mean, a lot of this we can sit here and talk about strengths and weaknesses. I feel like everyone kind of has the same grasp on that. Like, you can watch a couple check games and get a feel of what he's good at, what he's bad at. Um, the one thing that we didn't fully mention, like the finishing touch um, through contact, I think is worth noting that, like, despite having a slender frame, he doesn't shy away from contact at all and uses length and touch to be an otherworldly efficient finisher i think his room numbers get tossed around people kind of just chalk that up to the fact that he's just standing in the dunker spot catching and dunking and that's not the case while a lot of them are not self-created looks um watch other college big men they don't finish them all and chet should definitely get credit for finishing the extension baby hooks and just craft nifty finishes that he does around the rim but i did want to segue this um, before we went to the defense into the role not role man his role um because a lot of us have kind of hinted that we envision him playing alongside another big and 
I think we're all on the same page there, playing him as a four and as a five, but maybe as like a small ball five in spurts, if you wanted to go some five out, like he's not, I don't think I would employ him as my every night center. Um, and I think you guys are both in agreement there. What do you envision him doing on offense? Um, and I know that's sort of a broad thing, but I kind of just like, we've heard a lot of podcasts and right. I've seen written pieces and tweets that like, Oh, you can, you can just throw a smaller guard on chat and like, you'll get away with it. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's the case. And I kind of want to dive into why. Yeah. A, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. I think that's a verbatim Sean Darenthal quote. With the uh, You can just throw a small guard on him and it can cut him off. Because I do remember hearing that and being a little incised about that one. Um, Sean, listen, Sean's my boss. So I got to, I don't, I can't, I can't be like throwing straight shots. I've told Sean in the past, if he wants to have me on to talk chat again, um, I would love to hash it out with him. So he's aware of that. And, and he knows how I feel. So, Sean, if you're listening to this, uh, you know where to find me. Right. Um, um, not to call Jake's boss yeah. out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think where I've been really intrigued and excited about Chet, uh, looking at him offensively, is kind of – and I, I promise I mean this in the best way. This is more talking about, like, player role rather than um, what a player is. Like, the way that Cleveland uses Lowry marketing this year is how I like the idea of using Chet. Like, um, I think, like, Cleveland uses Lowry Markkinen all over the court, and despite the fact that he has not shot well or played particularly well, um, he has been very effective in terms of the way that he's able to draw a defense, and I think that's important. Like, and I look at Chet, and I'm like, okay, he's a better passer than Lowry. I do think that he gets to the same level, if not better, as a shooter than Lowry. He's more capable of putting the ball in the deck. He's more athletic. Like, there's a lot more there. And it's not just about, like, direct comps or anything like that. But I look at him as somebody who you use it as a dynamic screener. And I think, like, kind of like what Chip and I were mentioning earlier, what I find, and like, just even if you're doing the, okay, well, like, yeah, somebody's going to put a guard on him. Well, part of what's intriguing about having somebody like Chet is more about their passing and what he can do from the perimeter with his height and his vision. Because even if he's not necessarily getting a super, super hard closeout, which I do think he will, like, it's whatever. But, um, like, if – and this is, like, something that I look at and, and try and – I made a video on this last year um, on Twitter when uh, everyone was talking about how, oh, you know, Brooke Lopez is getting his ass kicked by, um, by the Phoenix Suns. And that wasn't true. What was yeah. really happening – is Brooke Lopez was getting pulled out of the paint and guards were having to rotate behind um, and and cover DeAndre Ayton. And this is what I look at. I'm like, okay, if you can use Chet Holmgren as somebody who has to force switches on screens or just is able to be used in screening actions in general, you swing the ball to him, you have a big out of the post, and there's somebody smaller in the post. Or it's not even in the post, but just causing rotations and being able to uh, create actions off them and keep moving the ball. Like that is such an important part of NBA offense right now. It's less about being able to do anything one-on-one like that looks nice and it's sexy or whatever. But I think I just believe in chat as doing much similarly to what Thad Young showed in Chicago last year. Like all you have to do is be in the right place and make the right pass. And I think chat can do that. So that's why I'm just not really worried about the offense. Like I think the point being like he, I don't know what his usage falls out like, but I do think he's better than like a fifth man on offense. Like he does more than that. I think he's going to warrant more touches and just have the ability to, to be even saying like, he's not, he's not going to be a post hub, but he's going to be a connective hub, like somebody who's able to use his height and vision um, and just make things happen on court that are positive. Can I add one quick um, scenario in that again, it just came to me um, mm-hmm. because I think what gets talked about is like, Oh, if you stick a smaller player on chat, like he's not going to be able to, as you said, Mark, like post them up and punish them one-on-one, but it's not just about guarding that player one-on-one. As you mentioned, like you adopt all the off ball responsibilities that comes with guarding that player. So if chat is standing in the corner and spacing, you become the low man, you better believe I'm going to run a pick and roll with that small guard rotating as the low man. We see it all the time. Portland got Michael Porter Jr. targeted all the time in low man responsibilities because he's late and doesn't know where to be. When Trey was giving the Sixers absolute hell and they had nothing to do at the point of attack except throw Ben Simmons out there, yeah, it worked for a little bit because Trey was disrupted and the ball was getting out of his hands, but Seth Curry was the low man. Easy roll opportunities. So like, NBA teams are going to play this game of chess where it's not as they're not going to let you get away with store like stowing away a little guard on Chet because 
like they assume you're going to post them up. Like they're going to know his strengths and weaknesses the same way Evan Mobley. Um, there's a great quote about him that I saw that he's like, I'm not there yet as a post operator. Like Cleveland's not going to do it. They're not going to just post him up. I don't, I mean, I can't say they're not going to do it because I don't watch them as much, but he is very self-aware and Chet is very self-aware. Like these guys aren't new in their bodies, but I just do think like, I want to take it a little bit deeper as to like, you're not just sticking him on him as a post defender or like someone to close it out to you. If you then adopt all those responsibilities, if we want to use Chet as a screener, that small guard is now going to have to like play drop or something. Like, I don't know, like you're going to have to come up with something that makes them viable and useful. Like it's not as simple as, Oh, Chet can't score in a baby hook. So, we're making out nice here no i think i think you put up a good point with the small guard in the corner and them adopting their responsibilities it's also like if they're pre-rotating for that then all of a sudden if you have a big that like another big out there who can also make decisions one of my favorite fits for chet is the houston rockets so i mean if that's alpern shengen who can make decisions if chet's man is rotating as the low man to go you know tag the roller or whatever then like Chet's going to cut and he's going to be able to finish or you're going to be able to kick it out to him and he's going to be an open corner shooter, which you're pretty confident in him knocking down. So, I mean, I think the the whole idea that Chet's going to get marginalized by just you can throw anyone on him is just – I don't – it's not something I agree with because I think when you think of guys who you can just throw any defender on, I think one great example of this was the playoffs, uh, the Hawks-Knicks series where the Hawks just put Trey Young on Reggie Bullock and like – all Trey had to do defensively was just chase Reggie Bullock around screens. And it wasn't like, you know, their, their defensive rating when Trey was out there was better. And I know single game D rating is bad, but I don't think Chet's going to get marginalized. And I think people aren't really, they're, they're kind of trying to throw him away and just be like, yeah, I have one reason to dismiss him and then ignore him when it, it like an NBA team that drafts him is going to be able to be so dynamic with him. And I think, um, I think Mark really played with my heartstrings as a Bulls fan, comparing Chet to Lowry Markinen and Thad <laughs> Young, who are two opposite ends of the Bulls' yeah. <laughs> offensive contributing spectrum. Um, no, I mean, I think the thing with Chet for me is I'm not really sure. Like, I'm not, I think he's like an okay post player, but I don't think that's what he's going to be doing a ton. But I think when you look at what gets an NBA player on the court, it's like, three points, like a role player. That's not your primary or your secondary. It's being able to space the floor and being able to keep the ball moving. And like, when you look at what Chet does offensively, you can poke like a million holes in different things, but shooting and passing are like the two best things. Like those are his things. And that's what gets you on an NBA court. And I think it's really hard for a team. Like, I don't think there's any team. I kind of made this, this idea earlier where, you know, Chet seems super raw. And I think, you know, people say he's got a low floor or whatever. I think every single NBA team, if Chet Holmgren was on the roster, he would be in the rotation, like on a day-to-day basis, like all 30 teams, just because he can protect the rim and he can keep the ball moving and he can, you know, he did the closeouts and he's going to space the floor. I don't think any team in the NBA right now would be like, yeah, no, we're just going to not play that guy. Mark, you have anything to add um, before we kind of go to the defense? No, I think we've we've covered everything with him. I think like the last thing that I would say though is just like like you hit on to stay on the court, you have to be a floor spacer. And I think the biggest thing is just like kind of what we've harped on, but but rehashing it is being a floor spacer, I think is just different than than we tend to idealize. Like I think a lot of people envision like, oh, well, you have to shoot this and this from three to be a floor spacer. And I think like again, like what I meant when in talking about both Lowry and that, it's about how defenses view you is how you space the floor and, and how you're able to react to it and, and create things off of that. And yeah, just point being like Chet's going to be able to do that. I, I'm, I'm not really too worried about that. And so moving on to the defense, which I recently wrote about at the step in, didn't write a single word on the offense. Um, it was all about his rim protection, his coverage versatility, the movement anticipation, um, can be a little bit jumpy at times on the perimeter uh, going for like blocking jump shots and stuff. So that'd be like, that's probably one of my bigger negatives with him other than the sheer frame and how that impacts him. But I want to just start off with the rim protection because I've been seriously like scouting the draft since 2020 and he is definitely the most dominant rim protection prospect um, I've scouted. Evan Mobley was great. And I think Evan Mobley is, could be as a case as like the better overall defender, but not as if we're talking sheer rim protection, I think Chet takes the crown. And 
a lot of that is the timing and patience uh, to go along with his tools. So I just want to get your guys' take on that, and we kind of go from there. I feel the same way, Jake. I think he's a really good rim protection prospect. I think I kind of came into the 2020 cycle a little bit late, and I think um, I, for me, Chet is like by far and away like it's there's nobody close in terms of rim protecting prospects i didn't really have the strongest read on evan mobley because i came into the last class kind of late and but this year like there's no one he's even close and well like when you look at like nba rim protectors i look at kind of the ways that they draw value and I, I see chet as like doing a lot of the same things and being a lot better and i think one thing is people kind of focus on the strength and I think sometimes some form of rim protection tools will kind of get undervalued. And I think with Chet, like his, um, his flexibility, like his upper body is super flexible. Like he, he contorts in all these different angles to block shots. And like, even sometimes on occasions where he gets pushed under the rim, he's able to like contort his arms around the rim while standing under it to still contest shots, like stretch Armstrong stretching around it and stuff. So, I mean, I think for me with his, like, his hand-eye coordination and his like timing, like you said, and his like flexibility, he's just such a lockdown rim protector. And I think you mentioned the coverage versatility, which I'm sure, you know, we'll get into deeper, but I know you guys said you don't really see Chet as an everyday five. I think for me, I kind of see the benefit of Chet is that he can kind of fit in any team. Like he could be the secondary rim protector and defend a little bit in space, but he also, I think could be a primary rim protector, even if it's not necessarily what you want him doing day one per se. Yeah, no, I really like that. Um, I think part of why I like Chet is, like you mentioned, he can just kind of do anything defensively um, within reason, obviously. Like, I think he has limitations on the perimeter, but um, especially in terms of looking at him and what he can do in, in, in a, especially like looking at how the NBA has been a little bit more coverage versatile this year. Like, I really envision that with him and I, I love it. Like, I think I like him almost more as a help side rim protector than as a primary, like, I think he's good as a primary, but he has a lot that he's going to have to figure out um, as a pick and roll defender. Like, I think there's a lot that goes into that. That's more than just obviously blocking shots. Um, it's not like he's bad as a pick and roll defender, but th that's just, there's a lot of nuance that goes into learning how to do that and be good at it. Um, but what's so interesting with him is I think a lot of, um, a lot of analysis tends to be like, Oh, well, yeah, you can block shots, but what else? And What's special about him to me is his short area quickness. Like he is, uh, as you mentioned, he's not a phenomenal athlete, but he's a good athlete. Like he's, he takes a while to accelerate moving forward and he's not super explosive off his front foot, but he's incredibly explosive off of his back foot. Really great on his second jumps. Um, and more importantly, like his reaction time is second to none. Like I think there was a play against Texas Tech. Um, they tried to use, I think it was uh, Kevin O'Banner, um, to, to draw Chet out of the post multiple times um, and do a uh, blind pig to try and make things happen on the back end. And like Chet would have his, his back turned um, and see it happening before, like once, like as soon as the pass is released and he's turning and, and cutting, cutting plays off before it even has to be a block shot. Like, I think that's, what's more impressive about him is the amount of times where he's able to react quickly and wall something off and angle properly um, to, to make sure that things aren't happening. Um, I think that those are the things that are hard to see without high, like, you know, if you're just strictly highlight watching, like, I'm not going to complain about people do that. Like, but just in general, like that's stuff that you don't see. I think it's important to remember and look at, um, if he were somebody with lesser reaction time or worse hand-eye coordination, like, yeah, he's not the same defensive prospect, but that's why he is a good defensive prospect. Like that stuff is really important. You can't teach it. Um, and it's just incredible to see. Um, like, I do think in some ways, like, he has some of those, uh, like, his reaction time is better than Evan Mobley's. Like, Evan Mobley's a really damn good defensive player and prospect, and I think he's a guy who could be defensive player of the year someday. That's just how high I am on Chet. Um, I think what's interesting, too, just uh, – I'll, I'll hold it – actually, hold it, I'll hold that one for later. But, yeah, his uh, his defense, especially just in rim protection and, and as a backline guy, has been really impressive to me. Um the only thing that like I, I could even really say is a real negative, that's not necessarily a negative, but like I want to see him improve uh, just some of his hand activity that isn't vertical, like just seeing more of what he can do, uh, forcing ball handlers to pick up on their way to the rim. Like that's the stuff I'm talking about in terms of, you know, seeing him be more as a pick and roll defender. 
Um, part of it is on how Gonzaga plays defense. Uh, like normally they, they like flying him out to um, have him operate and, uh, you know, attack with hedges. And, and he's great at angling on hedges. Like that's one of my favorite parts about him too. Um, even if he's not amazing as in terms of straight line speed, getting back, part of that is, you know, a lot of people look at me like, oh, well, he's not fast enough getting back. Well, okay. That's partially on their backline rotators. It's not really on chat, but like, um, he's so good at angling and walling guys off and actually being impactful when he's, when he's hedging or when he's, he's trapping. So yeah, there's just, there's a lot to like with that. I just, the one thing that really sticks out to me and it's, this kind of goes hand in hand with what you're talking about, Mark, with the reaction time. It's just, it's so clear that he's gotten so many reps as a pick and roll defender and rim protector. Like he has seen them all. If you're going to try to trick him, as you mentioned, Mark, by swinging a big out to the perimeter to lure him out so then someone can drive on the other side, he's sniffing that out. That doesn't fool him. Um, he can he anticipates guys rejecting screens and going down the alley and rows rotating to meet them outside the paint while other guys would rely on meeting them at the rim. Like these little nuances, and I actually really do think he's polished as a pick and roll defender. There were plenty of times you see him get above the level. Mark, I love it. You mentioned like his angle on hedges is genuinely disruptive. Like he's not out there just to be out there. He's out there to derail the ball handler and push them back towards half court. And that stuff is awesome. But he knows when to leave. Like he knows when to get out of those actions. And he knows when his job is done and to get back. And it's the same thing in drop. When he's defending and kind of just playing the cat and mouse game with the ball handler, he knows. And it was really fascinating to watch him play that game with like, someone like Javon Quinterly, who is a floater heavy guard. And Chad was just like, Hey, I'm going to give this to you if you want to take it, but it's not like I'm going to let you walk into it and be all comfortable. It's like, I'm going to make you think about this for like a split second before you do it. And he's jabbing at him. He's staying, he's staying, he's staying until it's his job to get back. And like, if he just does the seasoned big man stuff that isn't just simply relying on tools and blocking shots it's really polished it's pretty nuanced beyond his years and like that's my favorite thing to watch with him and sifting out counters at the rim as well like that's what i wrote about like a lot of these um counter finishes where you you'll see guys especially with him and he's so vertical and guys know it they're going to try to get into his chest especially with someone who is as like frail as he is you want to get into his chest dislodge him and then extend out that's kind of what every finisher has tried to do against him when they're meeting him head on if they even dare to do that and watching him just wait on them to like the way that finish works like you're going to get into his chest first shot blocker is kind of on their way down then you extend out he doesn't even bite when you when you try to lean into him so he just waits that extra split second and it looks like he's like sticking to the ground and then he'll jump up when you extend and just piece it like it's absolutely incredible um i don't want to like sound like i'm gushing here but he really is gushing is, here yeah yep. <laughs> i mean it's his defense like it's my favorite thing to watch in the entire class i truly think it could be a special skill and i'm just like very excited to watch it at the NBA level. And I think there's so many ways for him to make an impact. No, I mean, if you didn't gush, Jake, I was going to gush about pretty much the same exact things. I really, I really, really love the, um, I love the Mark brought up about the hands thing. I, I, I think I'm kind of in between the two of you where I, I agree that like, I think his pick and roll defense is pretty good already. And, but at the same time, I see the same things with Mark where like around the rim, his use of his hands and his hand eye coordination is like sensational, like genuinely, like i I struggle to find a comparison for how he uses his hands around the rim and how his timing and reaction times are. So that for me, that's like the, the defensive ceiling thing with Chet, right? Where it's like, if he can translate the way he's using his hands around the rim to defend like away from the basket, like the pick and roll where he's able to kind of, you know, get low and disrupt passing lanes and force ball handles to pick up their dribble. Like Mark said, if he's able to capitalize and like kind of translate that to there, then you genuinely have like, a defensive player of the year candidate type guy where it's like he's because I mean it's so rare in college to have a guy that's genuinely like a rim deterrent that isn't just like I feel like a lot of the rim deterrents are just like really big six like seven six dudes and like mid-major teams and it's just like ah well we'd just rather shoot in the perimeter because your perimeter defenders aren't like good anyways like Chet's genuinely a rim deterrent against the best teams in the country like they don't want to go to go to the rim against him pardon and um I mean Hawk I, has I tried and he uh it did not work yeah yeah, and I mean, I think it was really, really, uh, really nice how that one Paolo clip got posted like four times and Paolo had like four ISO possessions on him and he scored on one of them, um, which is the one that got posted all the time. But uh, it's not what we're here to talk about today. But I, I agree. I, I genuinely, like, I, I love 
I love what you guys said about it. And I, it's, it's really nice to hear because I think it's the first time that I've listened to some people talk about Chet's defense and not like actually kind of see the, the, the nitty gritty and the details of it because he's genuinely like a super detail-oriented defender and he pays attention to everything and he's great. And I think his head's like always on a slip, swivel, like you guys mentioned, like he, his spatial awareness is unreal. Yeah, and I think the UCLA game is probably one of the most important yeah. games of the cycle uh, for any prospect, not just Chet. I think in terms of debunking uh, narratives, we'll call them, that's got to be one of the most important games. Um, time and It was clear from the jump, Mick Cronin had his guys in the locker room, we're going to bully this kid. It was the first play of the game. They drew up some type of cross-screen action for Miles Johnson, went straight into the post, and they kept going to it. Um, I think Miles Johnson went to it. Dave Singleton might have had a possession. Uh, it was a clear point of emphasis for them. And despite getting stone, or not stonewalled, definitely not stonewalled, despite getting deterred and rejected from the rim, they kept trying. And I just think it was such an important benchmark game for everyone to watch and kind of appreciate and take note of the nuance that Chet takes when he's defending in the post. And I'm not here to say that he will not face any issues. Absolutely. There will be NBA big men who who want to post him up and they will put him in the rim and we will see the clips flying on Twitter because that's what we do. But on a possession by possession basis, if you want to take how successful guys are posting him up, um, the numbers probably aren't going to be in the offensive player's favor. Um, despite being frail and not and having a very high center of gravity he's just very technical and knows when to give up leverage knows that he's not going to be able to stonewall you but at the end of the day all that matters is he's going to get a hand up to contest you and make your life as difficult as possible when you go up to rise for the shot so i do want to talk about the post defense and where you guys see him having issues, where he's underrated. I kind of talked about the good stuff. There will absolutely be some bad when he is faced with the more behemoth centers in his minutes at the five, or if bigger fours or bigger wings want to walk him down. I think that could give him some trouble as well. I think the most noteworthy thing in that in that Paolo clip is it wasn't a straight-up post-up. Paolo got him going, backpedaling already, and he wasn't able to square up and give up leverage. He was kind of already at his wits end and that clip so i think that is noteworthy but i wanted to kind of give you guys the floor to see to say where he is good where he's going to struggle and things of that nature yeah um i think that's a really great point about the Paolo clip like um chet is just not getting like he's very good at staying in front of people even if they're quicker than him i think that's a, a really important thing to, to to denote um I'm not sure anybody's been hit in the face as much this year and not getting like his whistle's really bad. Like some of the calls that he he draws are so crazy. Like, and I'm not trying to be like a his 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 like best friend or anything, but he gets some some bullshit fouls called on him and gets popped in the face a lot. Like there was a drive, especially against Texas Tech, like Kevin McCuller just like barreled into him a million times. I love Kevin McCuller, but like yeah, straight up, like the, he popped him with his elbow a couple of times. And I, I cannot believe that there were not fouls getting called there. But more importantly, like he stays in front, he takes the contact. And I think you can have real questions about what that looks like. And I think my, my number one thing with that, I do get really frustrated when people bring up like, oh, well, I'm I have injury concerns, this and that. Like he's so frail. I'm like, OK, when has he ever been injured? Like, I, I, it's just not fair to bring that up if it hasn't actually been something that's been a problem for him. If he's able to absorb contact and play through it, then stop bringing it up. It's clearly just an aesthetic bias, and I find it frustrating and kind of annoying. Um, like, I, and, and, and another reason why it doesn't matter to me that much, like, I view Chet, and it's not, like, a, again, it's not a direct one-for-one -one comparison, but to me, in terms of how I view him and, like, the way that he could be utilized as a player is more like looking at him as, like, a slightly better rim protecting version more than slightly better, but a better rim protecting version of Jonathan Isaac. Like he's somebody who was able to use his body incredibly well. Like obviously Jonathan is better. He has a, like a, like Chet, one of the only real gripes with Chet is his hips are pretty high. So we, that, that kind of limits what he can do as a perimeter defender. Um, so he's never going to be like Jonathan is on, you know, just if he's able to go out and hawk somebody on the perimeter, but he's still very good at like we're talking about angling, using, using his length, but I think his best skills are, are optimized as, as more of a roamer, somebody who's operating backline, somebody who's just mucking things up from the nail. Um, 
or, you know, just being able to, to, to roam weak side and do what his natural tools and skills allow him to. So I, I just think that's why I'm not worried about some of the quote unquote post efficiencies. And, and more importantly too, like there are just not that many players who are going to be able to warrant the kind of usage in the post that I think uh, sometimes gets brought up. Like, yeah, he's not going to be able to defend Joel Embiid, but there's nobody who can defend Joel Embiid. So whatever. Um, yes, Nicole Jokic is going to be able to take him to the block and make him look silly, but he does that to everyone. So I don't care. Um, there just are not that many people who are going to operate like that. that are going to make it matter. And, and more importantly too, like Chet is just awesome at standing up and repeatedly taking contact and, and he's going to grow too. Like he's what 18, 19 years old. It's not like, uh, I mean, he's older than 18. He's 19, I think, but uh, 19 probably like it just, I don't know, man. I think there's just so much there that we have to just stop looking at him as a, as a, some traditional big prospect. Like I do think, Especially like I went back and I because I had that thought about Jonathan Isaac today. Um, and I think that kind of applies offensively too. like, again, it's not a direct one for one comp, but like, would you want Jonathan Isaac on your team because of what he can do defensively? Jonathan, I, well, OK, we're, we're not talking about off the court, uh, strictly on the court, like what Jonathan Isaac can do. He is one of the five best defenders in basketball when he's healthy. Um, and I think Chet has above that ceiling in terms of what he can do in, in protecting the rim. And he's he has he has been better offensively against Zaga than Jonathan Isaac was at Florida State. Like he's he's been a better shooter. He has better shooting indicators. He's a better passer and decision maker. Like I think it just almost gets undersold how freaking good of a defensive prospect this guy is. Um, that's my my long spiel. I'm done there. If you want to add anything on, feel free. No, I mean, I think it's good that you brought up his injury history. He does, I, to my knowledge, his injury history is that he hurt his wrist in his freshman year of high school once, and he was out for a couple weeks. That's it. But, I mean, people are just projecting this injury thing. And I get it because, obviously, from, like, a, a biomechanical standpoint, like, being that thin and putting that much weight on your feet. I mean, not like, he's not super tall, and he's not jumping super high, but, like, how, you know, the weights distributed is probably not in his favor and long-term it's something that you're going to worry about. But I, I struggle to, I struggle to like have injury concerns, like project injury concerns that just feels like such an arbitrary and like not correct thing to do. And it's just like something that doesn't sit right with me. I think um, like you guys mentioned some really good things. I think one thing that doesn't really get talked about with Chet is like looking at the mechanics of how he absorbs contact because he's really good. Like you guys mentioned, he has those kind of high hips in a sense. He's really good at kind of when players go into him, a lot of the times he can put his stick, his hip out into their chest essentially. And he can kind of absorb contact and his lower body will get pushed back, but his upper body, which is the part that matters because that's what he's contesting with doesn't really get moved to that much. And, you know, because he has this ridiculous length, he's able to contest anyways. And right now, I mean, obviously, you know, the concerns of this post-defense isn't like strictly isolation numbers based, but post players are shooting 15% against Chet presently, which is not a particularly high number. Um, so, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I don't really think the injury concerns are something that matters to me because again, like he, he doesn't really have a history of getting hurt. And so far his post-defense is done pretty well. The one thing I will say is I think NBA players and just professionals in general are much more like confident in their decisions in the post. And I think, you know, maybe the speed at which players are like doing things in the post isn't going to allow him the same opportunities he has in college where players are a little bit slower in their decision-making and that gives Chet more time to process. And that's something I'm going to be super interested to see in his rookie year is how he deals with having less time to process things. Because I do think like his processing speed is like probably maybe not his best tool. Cause you know, he's, he's got some size to him, but it's right up there and it kind of, you know, resonates through his entire game. So I'm really interested to see how you guys think that he'll deal with like quicker processing. Maybe if you guys want to touch on that. Yeah. I mean, on a side note, I can't wait for NBA players to try him in his rookie year, like thinking that it's this like tall, skinny white kid. And I'm just going to finish right through him. And it's like, Oh no, it, it's always been like this since high school and AAU. But Anyways, I think, I mean, I think the processing on defense is really good. And I don't, honestly think it's probably better than his processing on offense. Um, yeah. I think he's really comfortable seeing everything that's in front of him. He's comfortable, as we said, sniffing out actions to either get him away from the rim or just compromise his responsibilities in general. 
I think he's really good there. The verticality is absolutely incredible. Uh, his technique as a shot blocker and rim deterrent has always been one of those things that are super impressive. Like when they played Sarah Cannon, he was still a junior at this time. So, I mean, just going against here, uh, BJ Boston and Zaire Williams were like two top five or six prospects in their high school class at the time. Obviously, not the type of players who are going to give someone like Chet fits at the rim. Uh, I'm sure you can imagine how that one went down with those two guys. But just, I'll never forget watching that game, just being like, this dude is an otherworldly rim protection prospect. Like, he just engulfed everything at the rim. And if it wasn't a block, he was just straight up as technical as possible and making life incredibly difficult for the offensive players. But I really do trust his processing speed, and I think that is a feather in his cap to be used in the way Mark said, as a rover uh, on the weak side, just sniffing out actions, knowing where to rotate, knowing where your responsibilities are needed, being self-aware of when you can like tag and get back, uh, how far can you tag if in order to make the closeout to their side, just little things that I think he is aware of. So I really do trust him in that area. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see him play with better defenders too. Like not to be, not to throw shade at Gonzaga, but they're not a great defensive team. Um, like I think there are a lot of times where he puts himself in more precarious positions because he's trying to cover for his teammates before he even has to. Um, but he just knows what's coming. Um, like one of the other small areas, like he's uh, he can, he's like we, we mentioned earlier, he's really good at seeing things happening that aren't even in his vicinity, but Part of that can be an issue for him when he already is rotating over to go contest something at the rim, but then the ball moves because he's at the rim. So people don't want to drive. And if it gets to behind him, like he's good at rotating over, but he has a propensity to foul just because he jumps early. Um, so that's going to be something again, like something that he works through. But like, again, that's like every single rim protector who comes into the NBA has to learn those things and figures those things out. And he has tools that a lot of them don't. So, yeah. Um. I do want to end this with a not negative conversation, but I think we've spent the better part of the past hour, the better part of the past hour, just praising this incredibly unique and talented prospect. And we're all very high on him. So that makes sense. But every NBA prospect has the chance of failing or I'm I'm not going to use the word busting, but failing to meet expectations Um, and just everything not translating as well as scouts or NBA personnel thought it would. So where are your where are your guys' biggest concerns with Chet? Either it can be either side of the ball, offensive or defensive, and how detrimental do you think that could be to his high end outcomes? Oh, um, I think my biggest concern would be team fit, like who drafts him, um, because again, like like we're talking about, I think a lot of it's going to be. Um, I don't it's it, it's almost kind of how I felt about Scotty Barnes last year. Like I view him as somebody who at his peak or in his prime, he's going to be an incredibly impactful winning player who just is a positive on both ends through his decision making and just everything that he does on court. Um, obviously, I think Chet has more ways to fit on court than, than Scotty did in some ways, like but at, at least it, looking at it as a prospect, like I think Scotty has clearly blown everything I imagined for him out of the water. Um, in Toronto, but like, okay, let's say Chet goes to, uh, I'm trying to think somewhere off the top of my head, but somewhere that's going to view him as a strict five, like right away. I think that would be not, not even problematic would be the wrong way to put it, but I do think ideally his best, uh, attributes are going to be when he's playing at the four and getting to do more like that. Um, and a place that tries to box him in right away, um, and doesn't necessarily expand, uh, what he can do off or, or try and explore more what he can do offensively while putting him in better situations defensively. I, I would have more concerns about that. Um, other things like, I mean, I guess if his shot release never really quickens, I think that's, but that's something that I really do think will um, just because he's shown the, the willingness to improve on it and, and work on it. Um, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll turn this over to you guys. What if he never does put on any weight? Like, I guess that's a very that's, real possibility. Um, yeah. I don't really think it bugs me that much, if we're being honest. Uh, but does where, where's where are you guys at with that? So mine, my my bigger biggest concern was coincide with him not putting on any weight and marginally improving as an athlete, which 
maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. I honestly have no idea. I don't really, I don't think it has a crazy effect on the defense. I think he's still going to be able to do what he always does. And yeah, we'll have some limitations when it comes to more physical offensive opponents, but everything we talked about with the timing, discipline, anticipation, tools, it's all there still. It would, I think it hinders him as a closeout attacker and functional handler in the half court. Uh, he's not the burstiest. He doesn't have the greatest first step. And I think especially if he's still very frail, getting bumped getting bumped off his spot pretty easily when you're not creating a ton of space in the first place with that first step, I think that could really not tranquilize completely because I think that's overreacting a little bit. But I think it could present a lot of problems for him as a handler in the half court, which of course I still think he's viable as – uh, a lob finisher, short roll guy, pick and pop shooter. But I do think in order for that high end outcome to hit as an offensive player, you're going to want to be able to leverage the ball skills. And I do think there is a chance that if the f- frame doesn't come along, he can have a little bit too many hurdles uh, to clear as a handler in the half court. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, um, I think my biggest concern would probably be like Mark mentioned with team fit. I think maybe there's, some specific teams out there that are like less creative in the ways they approach utilizing their players and maximizing their talent. So like that would probably be concerning. Um, and then my other thing would be the, the shot kind of like Mark mentioned, I just have some slight concerns about the way the shot has been in the half court. And, you know, if we get to the end of the, it's kind of something where I kind of feel like I have a strong read on Chet and it's like, if we finish the season and he's still shooting 20% in the half court, then I'd probably feel like I need to look through like the AAU and high school and the team USA stuff to just kind of see if the half court shooting was better in different team environments. Cause I think like we mentioned this, maybe Gonzaga team this year is not, a, not an optimized team environment for Chet. Um, so, so, I mean, I think my concern would be fit, but not in the sense that I don't think Chet is versatile enough. I think Chet's versatile enough to fit on pretty much however you want to play basketball, unless you're like trying to post him up every possession on offense. Like, I think pretty much any reasonable expectation and system he can kind of fit into because he's just so diverse as, you know, like primary and secondary rim protector. And like, he can just shoot and move the ball offensively. And that kind of works for every team. Um, so I think my concern would be, like a team viewing him in a specific way, which I think Jake kind of touched on where they're not necessarily willing to like be creative with the ways they use him and like play him to his strengths. And they kind of have this predetermined role in their head that they want to shoehorn him into and him not being able to necessarily do that. So I think, I think someone who's like a bit closed minded maybe. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think I obviously have concerns with him the team fit and how he'd be deployed as well. Um, I was just, I don't think that's going to happen with the ball skills and the clause that attacking, but as it, when you are high as a prospect and you're talking with two other people who are also very high on a prospect, I think it's important to play devil's advocate, put yourself in someone else's shoes and see where you might trip up. But I still remain pretty high on chat. Um, fascinating prospect, ton of fun to watch. This was awesome. If you guys have anything else to add, feel free to go ahead. I think, I mean, we went through the entire uh, outline. I went through everything in my notes, so feel free to have at it. Are we going to talk about the bench press? What? <laughs> oh, no, no, get out of here. Um, <laughs> no, I think uh, the only thing I have to add is nothing on chat, but uh, be sure you're watching Malachi Branham. He's been absolutely awesome. Yeah. He's had another oh, great game yesterday. we get to do this segment. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, um, yeah, definitely worth noting. Um, all right, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, check definitely follow Chip. What Chip? What's your Twitter handle? Chip J NBA. So give Chip a follow. Uh, been amazing. He's uh, been putting out amazing draft content so far. Um, I just wrote a piece for the Stepian. We actually talked about Chet's defense, and then hit on Trevion Williams' offense and Blake Wesley. So two other fascinating prospects. Give that a read. You can also check out all of Mark's stuff. He's putting out like two articles a day. So feel free to catch up with all of his stuff on his Twitter at mschindlermba. Follow me at Jake in the Paint and follow the pod at Tag the Roll. Thank you guys for supporting. This is, I think Mark and I have, I don't want to speak for Mark, but I've had a lot of fun with this so far this season. And so I think we're going to try to keep this going. Thank you guys. Yeah, I've been absolutely loving it, man. So I've just been really thrilled with the support we've gotten already. Psyched to do some more. Chip, thanks for joining us. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day.